Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode six of the Holding Court podcast. I am joined by Justin. Still here, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Week seven of this quarantine. We are still here. Week seven. Unbelievable. Who would have thought? It's really strange because I feel like the days are going by so fast. It's just weird. Like it feels like it's been forever, but then it feels like it's been really fast. It's just a very strange thing to see week seven. You said it this morning. You're like, can you believe Easter was two weeks ago? Yeah. Where is the time going? Oh man. All right. So we're going to start with a JTF foundation update. The Dream Center, day 43, they have served over 400,000 meals. That's incredible. Unbelievable. That's unbelievable. I think when we jumped in to support them, you know, right when they started this, I, I mean, I don't think anyone really had any idea of what they were in for. No one really knew how long this was gonna last and what it would look like. I think everyone was just knew they wanted to help and jumped in and got it going. And they have such an incredible system there. And to see that number today, 400,000 meals is unbelievable. Yeah, I think when they started going, um, they realized it was going to be a need and it was going to be a significant need for a while. And they had planned on, you know, trying to get through April, making it through the end of April. And it's looking like uh, they're probably going to need more time than that. Yeah. And even this last week, it's, I mean, the heat, everything, they are just, their energy has just been unwavering. And I mean, if you follow along on social media, I know Justin's been sharing a few things and obviously the Dream Center's Instagram is posting so much to share everything that they're doing. And I'm just blown away. Obviously this phase will change and will end, but I feel like they're onto something really great in the way that you know, they've come up with this method to serve the community in need. You know, they already do their outreaches and uh, normally go into neighborhoods and they have their food trucks and everything. But I think they're really on to something with this method of serving. So I'll definitely be interested to see what they continue doing from here on out. Yeah, it's definitely spectacular what they're doing up there. And, and they'll they'll keep going there even when things get back to normal or whatever normal is after this. Uh, I think this is something that's probably going to be a part of the Dream Center uh, moving forward is, is being able to provide these meals uh, for families in, in need, uh, even when this quarantine thing's over. Yeah. I also love how businesses have been reaching out to us almost every day with the desire to help give back, you know, despite the fact that they're struggling, you know, everyone's struggling in their own way. And, you know, with the exception of a few businesses, I think the vast majority are going through a tough time right now. But I think that just shows, you know, the true character of these business owners and their workers when even though they're not making this huge profit right now, they understand the importance of wanting to reach out and and help the community. Yeah, it was great. We actually got reached out to this week by uh, Earl of Sandwich and um, the sandwich company that wanted to get involved and wanted to provide some meals and, you know, we've been sending so much food up to the Dream Center and supporting them, obviously. But uh, another place that is very near and dear to our heart is uh, CHLA. And their doctors and nurses are there working around the clock and, and following their guidelines. And, um, you know, they're trying to provide all of their employees uh, who are on the front lines with meals every day. So uh, it's pretty cool. We're going to get to send uh, lunches and dinners up to CHLA this week. Um, we kind of split them in half between baby blues barbecue and, and Earl of sandwich. We don't want, want the nurses eating, uh, the same sandwich for five days in a row up there. So we broke it up and, uh, you know, half the days are, are Earl of sandwich is going to go to CHLA and half the days they're going to go to the dream center and, and vice versa with, with baby blues. So give them a little bit of variety and, um, you know, just, again, making the phone call and, and talking uh, to the people in need and hearing the exci- excitement in their voice, um, you know, to get some support for, for their business and to be able to provide uh, food for families in need and, and first responders is, is pretty special. 
Yeah, I think, you know, the Sonia, the owner of Earl of Sandwich was mentioning, you know, that's normally a big part of their business is wanting to give back. And um, obviously everything going on is kind of thrown a wrench into that. So, you know, to be able to partner with businesses and have that be mutually beneficial has been special. And yeah, obviously shout out to CHLA. We love everyone there. And yeah, we're just excited to keep doing this and, you know, keep supporting those that are serving everyone else in the community. Speaking of restaurants reaching out to also uh, islands reached out this week through AM 570 LA sports and wanted to get involved with the dream center And uh, they stepped up to the plate and they're delivering 10,000 meals to the Dream Center with an emphasis on providing meals for elderly veterans. So I don't know if you guys have eaten at Islands before, but those burgers and fries are really good. So uh, we're excited to get those meals up there. And and obviously 10,000, that's that's a big chunk. You know, you talk about you know, they've done 400,000 meals in 43 days. 10,000 is a big number. So super, super grateful and appreciative of yeah. Islands and, and, and their donation. That's huge. And I have eaten at Islands. Definitely. So good. <laughs> I don't know if you're asking me personally. I actually like the tacos, <laughs> the little tacos. Ugh. They have it all. No, they I do. love it. And uh, since you mentioned veterans, obviously a huge place in our heart for our veterans uh, we were actually watching Spectrum News last night. I don't know if you guys have ever turned, if you have, well, now I guess that's many of the people have Spectrum, I guess. Is that, I don't know. Do you have to have Spectrum to have Spectrum News or is that on all all platforms? I'll I, know that, <laughs> I know that Sportsnet LA is now available on all platforms, Universe and, and all that stuff, AT&T and DirecTV, but I don't know if Spectrum One News is now available <laughs> on on all those yeah. Providers. So basically Spectrum News, when you turn on your TV, I think growing up, it always went to channel two. That was like what it would be on. Well, ours goes to Spectrum News. I, I mean, the programming is great. I sometimes just turn it on and I find myself like four hours later, I've been like cleaning or doing emails or whatever and realizing I just had Spectrum News on for four hours. And it's great because they do a really good job of highlighting so many things in the community. So I do feel like they are able to share wonderful stories with me. Like this one from last night, absolutely warmed my heart. So this Lieutenant Colonel, Sam Sachs, he is living at an assisted living facility in Lakewood and he is coming up on his 105th birthday. Well, he was coming up on his 105th birthday at the time of his YouTube video. So hip. Lieutenant Colonel Sachs. Um, He made a YouTube video. So little background on him. He was a paratrooper in the army. He served in the 325th Glider Infantry Regiment of the 82nd Airborne Division. He participated in the Normandy invasion and was later part of a unit that helped liberate a concentration camp in Germany. Quite the resume. Uh, Went on to be a teacher in SoCal. And yeah, he's currently at the assisted living facility in Lakewood. He kind of made a birthday plea for everyone. He didn't want something crazy. He didn't want a trip to Hawaii. He didn't want a brand new car. He just wanted birthday cards. That's it. Just (laughs) birthday cards. Yeah, he was in his uniform. Just the cutest, sweetest old man. I just, I couldn't stop talking about it last night. So I looked up this story. He was just saying he hoped he gets so many birthday cards and, you know, I don't know, warm my heart. So I looked it up. There was a whole LA Times article on it and he definitely got birthday cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He got 6,200 cards so far. I don't even know. He ha- I hope he has a letter opener or someone helping him. That is a lot of cards. That's a lot of cards. I feel like just opening our, like our wedding cards was a lot. It was nowhere near 6,200. <laughs> um, there were some special cards in there too. Yeah, so one was a letter from the mayor from actually the city where he was born, Grand Folks, North Dakota. Uh, they actually proclaim the day in his honor. So it's Lieutenant Colonel Sam Sachs Day in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Yeah, that's huge. He's got his own day. I know. And 
in addition to the cards, the people turned out for him. So this past Sunday, which was his birthday, um, there was actually a parade. I love all these parades that everyone's doing. I think it's so amazing. And I'm going to have to post this picture of him out on the porch of the assisted living facility, just waving. He looked like, I don't know, like the Pope or something. He looked famous. And this parade had to have lasted hours. It was two hours. Oh, well, there you go. It was two hours. <laughs> it was a two-hour-long parade of cars driving by, honking their horns. Guys were hanging out the window with trumpets, um, like playing the salutes. <laughs> like it was unbelievable, some of this video. Yeah, I saw the L.A. County Sheriff cars. Um, helicopters were flying overhead, fire trucks, military vehicles. They had flags out in the yard that people placed, and he just looked so happy it just brought me such joy and he said he wants to do it again next year one of the other cool things was the other veterans actually got dressed up full uni Aww. and got in their cars and drove by in full uni and were like saluting them and it was i mean just the video of it was was pretty special i think we've thought about things that we want to stick around from all of this obviously not a lot of it we want to keep and hang on to, but I really like these celebrations. I think, I don't know, it's simple. Like he just wanted birthday cards and it turned into this beautiful parade to honor him and, and celebrate him. And 105, I mean, that deserves all of the celebration and especially with all of his accolades and the life that he has lived. But I think this is one of those things that I would love to see stick around. Just those Simple celebrations in your community. I love it. Obviously, well, you can, you're going to eventually be able to hug everyone again, hopefully. He feels the same way because he said he's planning on doing it all again next year for his 106th birthday. I know. He so. said he's going to work really hard yeah. to, to make it. He well, I mean, let's be honest. He's got 6,200 cards to go through. So by the time he finishes <laughs> reading all his birthday cards, he's going to be ready for his next, his next birthday. I know. We have to send him one. We're late, but I think... It'll like by the time he's opening, it'll get stuck in there and yeah, it'll be great. Definitely. I would love to have him come out to a game if he's able to. I'm not sure. He is definitely more than worthy of being recognized as a military hero of the game. Absolutely. So, yeah, we'll have to reach out to him and see what he thinks. And I can I can post this address on our Instagram page if anyone wants to send him a belated birthday card. That's more my style anyways. I'm always wishing people <laughs> a late happy birthday. So Always late. Yeah. So obviously, you know, these situations aren't ideal, but I don't know. I love to see all these ways that people are getting creative and supporting each other and lifting one another up. It's been unreal. I think, you know, with the help of social media and everything on the news, we're able to see all of this. I think it's such a unique time where everything feels like it's, you know, a blast from the past, but we're also getting to see it. So I think that's been kind of the coolest part. Um, even just last night, we were walking through our neighborhood and saw, we noticed a family that, you know, is a dad and his girls and, you know, they're on their scooters and they're walking, I'm assuming back to their house, scooting back to their house. And they had dinner, they had a pizza with them and it was just this beautiful sunset. And we just kind of took this moment and, wondered if that would have happened if we weren't in this situation like would they have just gotten the pizza delivered and not had that moment to go pick it up together you know as kind of a family activity and all that so I don't know it was kind of special to see the way that people are kind of slowing down a little bit and seeing the fun in you know simple things we even we went and picked up there's this company that's doing a program with a local farm and creating this like farmer's market basket. And so even yesterday, like going to pick up that basket and having him like throw it in the trunk and like coming back home and unpacking it, I found so much joy in that because it felt like I had something to do outside of the house. And I don't know, I think just taking that, you know, time to just kind of shift into a lower gear and really just enjoy everything has, has been one of the cool things through all of this. Enjoy the simple things, the smaller things. Such wisdom. Got to do it. Speaking of walking through our neighborhood, <laughs> there was a man walking around our neighborhood 
in a Dolphins jersey this past week. Who was that? It was you. And I don't think so. There's obviously a reason you're wearing your Dolphins jersey, but I don't think I realized when we went out for our nightly walk that you were wearing your jersey. Because sometimes I, I even have to second guess or I guess think extra about what I'm wearing because so many people are outside. <laughs> Normally I just go out for a walk. I'm like, oh, I'll just throw whatever on. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to walk by 50 people. I really got to step up my sweatpants game. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I don't know. A few people, maybe I was just a little paranoid when I realized you were wearing your Dolphins jersey. And it's not a subtle muted jersey. You can say jersey. It. You were embarrassed of me. I wasn't embarrassed. You were definitely embarrassed. I was not embarrassed, but I noticed that people were kind of doing a double take of why is this grown man wearing a Dolphins jersey in the middle of April? There was a reason. Draft day, baby. Draft day with oh Kevin Costner. Oh my goodness. Bonte Mack, no matter what. That post-it heard around the world. Oh, what a day it was too. It was like the first live sporting event in seven weeks. Yeah. Right? It was amazing. Yeah. I, I, I Honestly, like I don't get that fired up for the draft and stuff. I kind of pay attention to the first round and what's going on, on in normal years and, you know, follow the Dolphins because I am a Dolphins fan. But uh, it was exciting. I was like getting fired up and anxious, like leading up to the draft. And uh, obviously, I think people are desperately needing their sports because they broke all kinds of records. There was almost 16 million people who tuned in to watch the first round of the draft on day one, which is like blew the old numbers out of the water. It's in, it's incredible. So yeah. like people need their sports. It, this wasn't even a sport. It was just a draft. And obviously it's a big deal. And, and these kids are uh, dreams are coming true and it's a little bit different for them. Um, they didn't get the opportunity to go to, where was it? It was supposed to be in Vegas this year, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, usually they're all in this big old room in Vegas and they have their tables and their agents and everyone's around them and their name gets called and they go on the stage and, uh, the commissioner hands them their Jersey and a hat and they take a picture. Um, but obviously it's a little bit different this year and, and it was a big time, uh, zoom conference call draft that was televised. I thought NFL Network did a pretty good job of of managing that and since it was the first time they've ever done it and um you know a lot of excited young men looking forward to starting their NFL career. So it was a pretty cool event. I like seeing everyone's draft room. Like the coaches <laughs> draft room or like the oh. players that are being drafted in their like living room. All of them, like some of the players, their moms had, you know, different spread. Like that's what I'm looking at because obviously there's a lot of that downtime in the waiting. And even when they get the call, obviously they announce it. Um, the commissioner announces the pick and then they go to the family and it's kind of on a little bit of a delay. So you get to creep a little. So who was your favorite draft room? I don't know. I love, I actually loved the Bill Belichick when he left his table and his dog was just <laughs> sitting there and someone's like, oh my gosh, this, <laughs> this dog is about to trade for Aaron Rodgers or something. <laughs> <It's so good. laughs> I really wish the dog was in a cutoff hoodie. Oh man. That would have been, been. been great. Yeah, there was, I don't know. It's something about Zoom calls where I creep the background. Someone the other day, you and I were on a conference call and Someone had, it took me a minute to notice, but someone had a fake office in the background or it was like an office waiting room in the background of their Zoom call. And it looked almost like an office from The Sims. I don't know if anyone ever played that game on PC or if that's still going, but it definitely looked like a Sims office background. And if you weren't really paying attention, it looked very classy. So good for him, but that was hilarious. <laughs> Who was it? It was... um who was on the yacht and was like Jerry Jones. Oh yes. The he, Cowboys. He didn't even hold his phone. No, there he was, was some woman a, standing there holding the phone for him. Was that great. was some BDE on the yacht, not even holding your own phone. Yeah. And what does your bandwidth Savage. look like on a yacht? Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's, he has his own cell sure power on the yacht. Honestly, I'm sure it's legit. Um, <laughs> oh, there, yeah. were, there were some, <laughs> 
it was cool seeing like the the players too and the setups that they had. Obviously, like you know, essential only essential stores are open, so it's not like you can like have this big extravagant draft party and decorations and stuff. So it was cool to you see. You order from like Party City, but the week. Well, but before. they got creative. There was like little balloons up and stuff around and yeah, different colors, and and so they got creative with that. That was pretty cool. And then the attire too, the draft attire. Like you see Tua who got drafted by the Dolphins, by the way. Um, yeah, and he's in a full-blown, like, suit. And then you see other guys who are in, like, cargo shorts and, like, a, a T-shirt on national TV getting drafted. It was just, like, the difference in, like, okay, I'm not going to this event. I don't have to wear a suit. So you, you see where guys are comfortable and where and which guys wanted to be polished. What I you, probably what would. Do you, I was going to ask, what do you think you would have worn? Because I remember photos from your draft when you were drafted, what you wore and you were wearing a white tank top and board yeah, shorts. Yeah, but I, I was like, <laughs> I was out of practice when I got drafted. Like the baseball draft is different than the NFL draft. So I was at Fullerton like in the middle of a practice because we were in the playoffs uh, when I actually got drafted. So someone like told me while I was taking batting practice that I was selected. Did so it's not like you stop your swings or did you... Go have a moment. Well, I'm not, I wasn't like a day one, like first round. But you round. got drafted. No, it's exciting. It's awesome. But, but did it's you not stop like. your BP? No, you just keep going. You just kept swinging. Well, we, we were still playing. We were going to Omaha and going to play in the World Series at the time. That was uh, my phone call when I got drafted. Um, yeah, but you didn't like put the bat between your legs and do a little happy Gilmore trot around <laughs> or anything? Or you just wanted to have respect for guys that didn't get drafted? Or what was. So my junior year, when I got drafted by the Yankees, it was like in the 30th round or 30, fact. 31st round. And I got a phone call from the scout and he said, hey, this is so-and-so from the Yankees. We just drafted you in the 30th round. We know you're in the playoffs still. Good luck. Um, you know, go win a World Series. And whenever you're done, we'll be in contact. I said, okay, cool. And we ended up losing the Super Regionals. And I was sitting around waiting for a phone call from the Yankees. And it, that phone call never came. So I went and played summer ball and went back to school for my senior year. So You were ghosted by the Yankees. I got ghosted the by the Yankees. The original ghost. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, baseball is definitely different than football. But the football was cool. Football, watching that draft uh, was exciting to have sports on TV. So as we're doing this, you are shirtless in board shorts. Do you think you would have done <laughs> I am. the draft? Do you think if you were one of the guys that was going to, I don't imagine in the late rounds, everyone's waiting by on their Zoom or whatever platform they use, but do you think you would have dressed here, up a little bit? Okay, here is the absolute truth of how this would have happened. I probably would have put on shorts and a tank top or sweats and a t-shirt and a backwards hat and walk downstairs and then the first time you saw me you would have probably been like what are you wearing go change you need to be you need to look more presentable than this or something like I that. I like the word polished polished you you would have definitely <laughs> made me change at least once I don't know I do know that means we would have been together long ago long <laughs> long ago very true Oh, wow. But yeah, it was, it was cool to see everyone. I don't know if a certain moment for a man that was drafted by the, what? no, it was one of the coaches. It was the Titans head coach. Oh, wow. He had a little, I mean, it's live TV. We're going to have mishaps. I don't know if we're going to have these kind of mishaps. I can't say I would ever be caught in the background of a Zoom call taking a dumper but is this real though i think it's real it's got to be real i'm gonna go on snopes and see if it's there's real. yeah the head coach for the titans his zoom video there's <laughs> like people like dressed up as like super titan fans and in jerseys and there's like a little backdrop and then in the corner there's like mirrors yeah and someone is <laughs> dropping a deuce with the door open that you can see in the reflection of the mirror in the corner on a national zoom call draft he's day. on his phone too and he's, he's like on, his on phone. twitter he was following the draft <laughs> give him credit well he had the door open he wanted a little draft during the draft there you go that makes sense oh man oh wow it's a lot i mean it was good you're happy for him i think eventually they'll have their chance to celebrate 
it's good. I mean, everyone seemed to be with their family and all that. Normally you have like a huge crowd, but I think again, keeps it simple. The people that are close to you being there with you. I think the next fun to watch. I think the next live sporting thing that's going to happen is, uh, is a PGA golf golf event. Oh yeah. I well, think that's, that's coming in a couple of weeks. That's a very distant sport. Yeah. I think everyone is just, I didn't really think they had to shut down. They didn't need to let the fans in. They could have still played golf on the tour and televised it. They keep their space. Yeah. Right? I don't know. Maybe too many people grabbing the flag stick. I don't, I don't know. Maybe you or your caddy just grabs your flag stick. It's just you and your caddy. Yeah. I don't know. But until the live sports, we have another way to get our sports fix. You ready to dive in? Yeah, let's dive in. Yeah, I think we have to get into it. I mean, The Last Dance, episodes three and four this past Sunday. Unbelievable. I know we said we were going to talk about it last week. We've got to talk about it because one of my favorites of all time was heavily featured in these two episodes, Mr. Dennis Rodman. I told you it was was her favorite. It was really cool to see you know, the background of him and his upbringing. And I always have a soft spot for the bad boys. You know, he had difficult upbringing, obviously. He found a way, I mean, he found kind of a, I guess, a avenue through basketball to keep himself on track and to, you know, make a living, ended up getting drafted. I think that was really cool to see. You know, I mean, he mentioned he you know, was kicked out by his mom for getting in trouble and was kind of in and out of, you know, friends crashing in their couches, their yards, everything. He said he was essentially homeless for two years. So I think it just gives people a little more insight into him and, you know, maybe why he was the way he was. Well, he said he just started playing basketball to pass the time. And someone kind of just came up to him and was like, hey, do you want to go to college? Do you want to come play basketball at our college? And he was like, yeah. The other thing that was cool, I think, was when he touched on, you know, how he just was homeless and sitting on the streets and watching, you know, people selling drugs, doing drugs, doing all these bad things. And he was just like, yeah, I was just never interested. I, I sat there and watched him every day, you know. Guy would sell drugs, guy would get arrested, get released, come back out on the street the next day, sell drugs again, do it all over again. And he was like, I just never was really me. So I just started playing basketball. And like, this is what's cool about this documentary is getting like this background information that, I mean, I was, I probably would have never Googled Dennis Rodman's life and like figured all this stuff out on my own. So I would have, I know you would have, but. (laughs) <laughs> you probably would have told me at some point about it too. So I actually love doing that. I love, I mean, Wikipedia, not always accurate, but I love the way that I'll see someone on TV or I see someone in a game and just kind of want to know their story. I do this a lot with businesses and how they were started and, you know, who founded them and how they came up with the idea. I just naturally have kind of that curious mind for knowing random things, which you know. So yeah, I think this gives kind of that little glimpse into a lot of things that we didn't see and I don't know. I mean, I think people are going to have their opinion on Dennis Rodman. I think, I don't know if this would change it necessarily. I mean, obviously it's kind of that type of player, but I think bottom line is he was an incredible athlete. And like Jordan mentioned, he understood the game like his, knowledge of the game was unbelievable and you could just see through even through his upbringing you know he was a fighter and he had a heart for it and yeah I think I just love knowing I don't know I like diving into people's heads and knowing why they are the way they are (laughs) well I think you know just from watching him and thinking back you just think that Rodman was this crazy guy who had all these crazy hairstyles and he did whatever he wanted and didn't really care about authority or anything. But then you listen to his teammates and, 
Jordan and Scotty and, and you listen to Phil talk about him and you start to understand how much he prepared, how much he studied, how much he learned. And then I think the most important thing that was brought to light about Dennis Rodman was at the end of the day, all he cared about was winning and competing. So he could take his little hiatus, but when he came back and he was on the court and whatever happened off the court, when he was playing, all he wanted to do was win. And, you know, that's the mentality that I think it's very clear that Michael Jordan had. I think he, I loved how he brought up the noise around the game and all of that, because that can be heavy to deal with, especially when you're a guy who is just pretty much unapologetically himself and, you know, viewed as this loud player or maybe a distraction or um, someone that's a bit of a troublemaker, I guess you could say. And yeah, I think him just saying how much he, you know, just wanted to play and didn't care about all the noise and all of that. I also loved uh, the scene where he, I don't know, was autographing for kids. And I think, I think they tried to soften him a little bit, but I don't know. I love seeing that him giving his the shoes. shoes to a kid yeah. or giving his Jersey to a kid. I think that showed, you know, his heart and his appreciation for his fans, despite all of the noise and the negativity that obviously came at him. Yeah. I think that people get put in light and whatever view that people want to, and as with all the stuff that's going on and especially, you know, in, in Dennis Rodman's career, um, you know, with the way he played, diving into stands, getting into it with other players, uh, the look, the stuff off the field, uh, it's easy to just kind of paint him as this weird guy, right? And and you forget, uh, you know, that he probably did a lot of stuff that was really good for kids and in the community as well. Yeah. I also loved his relationship with Phil Jackson. I think it really takes someone, I don't know, I think you see this, you know, growing up in school, you have someone in your class that might need, you know, that little extra, I don't know, friendship, attention, whatever you want to call it, to be who they're supposed to be. And I think the fact that he referred to Phil Jackson as a great friend, despite their rocky initial meeting, which was a little disrespectful, I think he... Phil mentioned he didn't stand up to greet him and all that. And I think from didn't that point on. take his hat off either. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, ended up becoming a great friend. And I think that was, yeah, why Phil Jackson was such a great coach and was able to get him to reach his full potential with that team. Well, I think they did a good job of shedding light on why him and Phil kind of understood each other because Phil Jackson oh yeah Maverick. was like Dennis Rodman daddy, of daddy. his time, right? He was this like <laughs> crazy, tall, lanky, scrappy rebounder that, you know, they described as a hippie and uh you he know He was I, that guy that wasn't dressed, you know, he wasn't dressed super he, I think they mentioned his job interview. For, yeah. The his, first one he went into he got turned down because he didn't he basically he didn't dress he dressed like I would have dressed Phil Jackson was a fashion icon and I every time they show an old photo of him and I just am blown away he was (laughs) this it's one of the best parts of this documentary is the old photos and the old footage and what everyone's wearing and yeah so I think he saw himself in him and that's why he really took the time I think obviously Phil took the time to understand everyone's personality and was able to bring those together and have them work together in the most productive way for the team but I think he definitely had a heart for Dennis and what he needed to do to be successful yeah definitely I mean they were uh they were definitely an odd couple And they definitely understood each other. And, and, you know, Michael helped facilitate that too. So uh, they talked a lot about how, you know, when Scotty was hurt and not there and, you know, Michael needed Dennis to kind of pick up the slack and be that guy for him. And, um, you know, even when, when Scotty came back and then it was kind of like the Michael and Scotty show. And then that's when Dennis started acting out again because he didn't feel that he was like the supporting member on Jordan's team it was I don't know the whole thing was interesting that was one of the best parts of the documentary when he when they explained the 
situation of Rodman going rogue on the team. And I think that was like a crazy thing for me to see Phil grant him this 48 hours to just go and be because he that's what he said he needed. Obviously, he pushed it a little bit and stayed a little longer and it resulted in them pulling him out of a bed in Vegas while Carmen Electra was hiding with a bed sheet in the corner quivering. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, yeah, that's just, I mean, I don't, that could not happen in current times. Well, let's start from the beginning, right? So he goes in the office and he asks for this and and he says he needs 48 hours and MJ comes in and he's like, Phil, he's not going to be gone for 48 hours. There's no way you're going to get him to come back in 48 hours and Phil still lets him go. So then what does he do? He walks downstairs with a Miller light in his hand, pounds a Miller light, jumps on a motorcycle, no helmet, no nothing, takes a police escort to the airport so he can fly to Vegas. Like, that's not happening in, in today. Everyone would be filming it with their <laughs> Everyone was Vegas. filming it, and it wasn't even a problem. They were just like, oh, yeah, Dennis Rodman, look at this guy. He's a badass. Well, it was fil- <laughs> this was the footage for documentary right it obviously would be totally different if this happened now and he was in like vegas clubs and all that there would be phones and stuff i just don't see a coach in current times dealing with that backlash of letting a player go for 48 hours news is obviously slower back then it would just be a headline the next day or on you know sports center but now things happen and i feel like you see them on twitter before they even happen so this would have been it been, I mean, yeah. it was a circus, but it would have been way worse. Way worse. Way worse, for sure. I don't, but to yeah, I, it's one of those like fine lines of balancing what your player needs versus what I don't know what makes sense. Did, I, I mean, it worked, <laughs> right? He came yeah. back and was ready to go. Yeah, I mean, it, and that's again, it's it's why I think Phil Jackson has won as many championships as he's won. It's not just about on the court. It's about understanding his players and knowing his players and knowing what they need. And even though, you know, it wasn't something that was traditional by any means, he knew that that's what had to happen in order to uh, get the best version of Dennis Rodman on the court. Yeah. So let's bring it back to when Rodman was a member of that Pistons team that the Bulls just seem to be unable to conquer the bad boys the bad boys was their nickname i yeah what how do you think that team would fare in current times if people love it would it even exist i feel like everything is so different now even fights in hockey are nothing like they used to be yeah every sport is going away from contact now so i mean even in baseball you can't break up double plays you can't run over the catcher uh you know you can't even retaliate and hit a batter without you know huge fines or suspensions so it was it was crazy to just watch basically they were playing jungle ball you know they're just tackling guys going up to the hoop and you hear them talking about their game plan to stop Jordan was like don't let him jump don't let him get off the ground once he's once he gets off the ground you can't stop him but if you can get your arms on him or around him or, or knock him down before he gets off the ground, that's how they're going to contain him. And that's essentially what they did. They just, and, and MJ even says it, he's like, they, I got the living crap beat out of me. So it was wild and there's no he way. He said he was brutally beaten was the exact yeah. words. I mean, they're throwing punches. Yeah. Like nowadays, if you, if a referee thinks you threw an intentional elbow, you're getting kicked out of the game. And these are guys going to, punches and nothing's happening it's crazy yeah I guess in their mind it was whatever it takes to win I don't know well, necessarily I mean obviously I'm biased but I didn't agree with the she, way that they did it. she asked me if I thought that they deserved or if they were proud of their championship yeah like do you want to win how like they that won it. and I was like well I mean there were no rules preventing like that's just the way the game was well they mentioned that the referee would not look to see a lot like I don't know kind of like turned a blind eye to a lot of it well I think 
what they were talking about is now, you know, officials in, in sports kind of cater a little bit more to, you know, whether you're a superstar or not and, and someone who's not a superstar and maybe a little bit more lenient. And that wasn't the case back then. Michael Jordan was the best player in the NBA and they didn't care how many times he was getting elbowed, knocked to the floor. They didn't care. It was just the game. So there w- there was no bias. There was no favorites. There was no, oh, let's coddle this superstar. It was go play. And whatever happens on the floor happens on the floor. And we're just calling the game. Can we talk about the post-game press conference? Oh, it was great. Of Doug Collins, the head coach, when they <laughs> beat Detroit. I think it was game three. three. Game three. Yeah. They asked him, what was your call in that last play? And he said, get the ball to Michael and everybody get the F out of the way. <laughs> I cannot see Dave Roberts <laughs> <laughs> saying, uh, yeah, just get a lead going in the ninth inning and then give the ball to F and Kenley. Like, I couldn't see him saying that. <laughs> it was. I think it he, was obviously a mix of passion. I don't know. It was in the moment. I think you can't. You're so fired up. I mean, that team was like their thing they were trying to conquer this whole time you know it was like the pistons and the bulls that rivalry was crazy i think you can't really control what comes out of your mouth you even said when you hit the walk off you don't remember what you were yet you were like beating your chest as you were running to home plate i was like what were you saying you're like i actually don't remember i think i blacked out which speaking of that moment i don't know if anyone spotted that espn commercial in the middle of the these episodes justin's little gatorade bath I did get a Gatorade bath. I made it. I made it on MJ's. Yeah, your orange. <laughs> I made Gatorade it on the last. I made it on the last dance. Yeah, you're a star. That commercial is so great. Anyways, I just noticed that when we were skipping through the commercials. <laughs> but yeah, I think you can't really control what comes out of your mouth. But I think now everyone is a little more aware when you're doing a press conference. But I loved it. That was the best. I feel like. I feel like that was Doug Collins' like mo though for the three years he was there, and that's probably why like the players loved him is how like passionate and emotional and vocal and I mean you saw him in the locker rooms after the games just covered in sweat and he's from coaching, and I mean you talk about it all the time, Court. Like your favorite coaches are the ones that get all fired up and Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, Ozzie Guillen. Like you, you love, oh, you love, love Ozzie. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh's like biting his shirt and like ripping his shirt and like stomping his khakis around, and yeah. it's just so great. I love that. Yeah. I don't know. So There's those something are about those are the guys that Courtney likes. You know, you, you wear your wear your heart on your sleeve and show emotion and you know yell when things are going good and. I yeah, love it. She loves that. Can't really do it anymore though. You get kicked out. Yeah. You're a distraction, but yeah, I love it. And we have to talk about that. I think it's now going to be a meme. I think it, I don't think it's going to replace the Jordan crying meme, but the reaction of (laughs) Jordan to the Isaiah Thomas clip of him explaining the team walking off the court without congratulating them. And you saw in, I think it was a year before when they lost you know, Jordan came right. I mean, he had to do an interview on the court after they lost. Both years. And congratulated them, you know, wished them the best and goes over and hugs everyone, gives a handshake. Isaiah Thomas, Jordan called BS. He was like, he had a lot of time to think about this and what he wants to say now. I loved that, that he still carries that. Because I always wonder how much of those kind of rivalries are not manufactured, but just on the court. And if I even asked Justin this, if there's someone that you kind of rubbed you the wrong way playing, or you had a little bit of a rivalry, like if you were to see him out at a, cause we'll be at like a country concert and you'll see teammates of used to play with or guys, you know, on other teams and all that. And I feel like it is kind of a big fraternity where you all understand each other. And regardless, if you're on a rival team, you're not like, Oh man, that guy over there. So I was curious how he felt about it. And then they played the video of, of Isaiah Thomas to Jordan, I was like, oh, he's definitely still mad. He's definitely still not over it. I think that's definitely going to be the meme for any time there's any type of unsportsmanlike conduct or just people acting a fool. Like, it's going to be that Jordan eye roll because the Jordan crying one is obviously, you know, one meme that's never going away and, and 
kind of describes one emotion. And then now you have the Jordan eye roll to the iPad of Isaiah Thomas trying to explain that it was okay for them to walk off the court, which I think at the end of the day, it comes down to respect, right? Like clearly I don't think Michael Jordan has respect for Isaiah Thomas because of what he did and and the way he walked off the court. So if they ran into each other, uh, they might be cordial, but I don't think that there's going to be any like going out of their way to hang out. And then you watch, He's not giving him a three-pack of Hanes t-shirts? No, definitely not. Definitely not. But then you watch, you know, the next year when, you know, Jordan wins his first championship and he beats the Lakers and you see uh, Magic Johnson who is in his locker room and he's speaking so highly and he gives, uh, you know, Jordan that big hug. That was so cool to see. Yeah, and and it's just like there's there's the respect. And obviously, you know, Magic's respected by everyone and, uh, Jordan made it clear that his whole like desire and drive was he wanted to, I, I gotta be in that Larry Bird, Magic Johnson category. And that's what he wanted. So he already had the respect for him, but then, you know, Magic didn't walk off the court because he lost, you know, Magic said, Hey man, if I was going to lose to anyone, I'm glad it was Michael. And he gave him that hug. And that's where that, that respect comes in. And I think that, you know, obviously Michael just didn't have any respect for, for Isaiah. That was tough for me. Cause I am bitter Betty. I am a sore loser through and through. Michael would not like you. Michael would not <laughs> like me. I mean, I'm not, I don't even want to shake hands in a rec league kickball game. We lose. I don't even, I'm mad. I'm frowning. I mean, I go through the line and slap hands and all of that, but I'm not happy. It's, really really hard for me to be happy for the other person I will admit that and obviously you know going through playoffs with you guys for so many years and you know you love other teammates that you've had that are now on teams you're playing against and I want to be happy for them but I have to after playoffs I have to take like a social media hiatus if I have someone from the team that won it's so hard for me I don't want to see their pictures I'm a grouch and so I feel for that. I think obviously my emotions and everything are separate. I obviously don't have to come face to face with the other family members of the team and all of that. But I don't know. That's tough for me. I think obviously you're on a court. You have to show good sportsmanship, but I'm not a good loser. I mean, you know that. I will. (laughs) I, I do know that. I will say that sports has definitely changed. Like nowadays, it seems like everyone's friends with everyone. And as soon as the game gets over, you're hugging, hang, hanging out, you know, NBA trading jerseys and, and, and whatnot. Um, and that's definitely, that's definitely changed and softened. I think, you know, back in, in MJ's day when they were playing, I think there was legitimate, you know, rivalries and hatred. And um, I don't remember who the reporter was that was talking about that said his cousins lived in Detroit and he lived in Chicago and they didn't, he didn't even talk to his cousins Oh yeah, during the playoffs because, mm-hmm. you know, they hated the Pistons so much and yeah. uh, it was just such a rivalry. And, and I think that now like the rivalries still exist more so on a fan level, but the players just, I mean, we all play to win. But, like, everyone's just so much more cordial on the field, and there's not that, like, edge or tension because, I mean, you can't even do anything or you're going to get suspended and fined and miss games, and then you end up hurting your, your team even more. Yeah, except that, what is the Pirates rival? They've had, like, something going on over there for the last Oh, the Reds? Years. Yes. Oh, yeah, oh man, that was Reds. wild. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to talk about that one on another day. That one's been fiery. But, yeah, and then... Yeah, leading up to Jordan winning that first championship, that emotion was so cool to see. Obviously, we've seen that image of him hugging the trophy and just people seeing that side of him, of him just sobbing and all of that that he put into it for years and working his way, you know, to try to be the best and it finally coming into fruition. And yeah, I mean, you see like the super lows here and them losing and all of that and him, you know, the guy, he mentioned the guys came into work the day after the, they lost and they just started working out, you know? And so I think you got to see that huge range of emotion and it's rough. I mean, the Dodgers obviously have, have been through it. And I think 
it really is difficult and you see it. And I don't know if people really understand because I think obviously you don't share it. You don't see it on social media. Most guys go dark. You obviously thank the fans, but most guys aren't posting or doing any, you know, interviews the next day, but it is feels like a death and it feels like a funeral for your season. And so to see that swing of, you know, the lowest moment and then working hard and then finally winning that championship was cool to see. Yeah, it was. And, and you heard everyone talk about how surprised they were to even see that emotion because all they were used to seeing was this guy that was, you know, a workaholic and dedicated to winning and holding people accountable and challenging guys and uh, just, you know, he didn't have another side other than, you know, wanting to win a championship and doing everything in his power to go about it. And then finally he reaches that pinnacle and he joins that category of magic and, and bird and, uh, you know, all those years of work and drive and dedication just kind of came out and the emotions just started flowing. It was, it was cool to, it was cool to see again. It was cool to hear the other players kind of talk to that moment about how they didn't even know he had that side of him. Yeah. I loved all of it. Can we have a moment to appreciate Horace Grant? Horace. And speaking of icons, he was the man with the goggles. Rex specs is what I call them. Okay. You wore glasses. I wore Rex specs. Always? Uh, I, I started wearing glasses in the third grade. So when I was playing sports, I... Wearing glasses is not fun. Uh, Horace made it look fun. Well, so, okay. <laughs> Growing up in Southern California, I had I had James Worthy who wore the Rex Specs. So it was James and, and Horace Grant were probably the two more infamous NBA players that wore them. And then in baseball, we had Chris Sabo who wore the Rex Specs. So those were like the three guys that they made – wearing those looking back on them so like ugly looking goggles they made it feel cool because they were doing it at the highest level they they were sabo's wearing them in the major leagues and in, in games and uh worthy and and horace were wearing them in the nba every single night so you kind of felt like oh okay like these guys are professionals wearing them like i'll be fine I can wear mine in my little league game. Like, it's not a big deal. Like I didn't feel as bad about it. When kids start like poking fun at you and you're like, Hey, well, you know, Chris Sabo and, and James Worthy and Horace Grant are wearing them. So I, I'm fine. I know. I remember a kid on my brother's Y ball basketball team had him I actually in theme with me looking at people's information on Wikipedia. When I see him on TV, Horace had LASIK, but he actually had it while he was playing pretty sure, but he continued to wear his goggles, he said, because parents told him that he made their kid feel cool about wearing glasses. I love that. Yeah, that's amazing. He became this, I don't know, little model for them, and they looked up to him, and they're like, oh, he's wearing them. Like you said, you felt cool wearing yours. You weren't embarrassed, and I love that. He kept wearing them. I yeah. just thought that was cool to see. That's awesome, because when I had my LASIK surgery in 2008, I don't think I've put on another pair of prescription glasses since. Like you should I, bring them back. Oh man. Well, I wear sun, I wear sunglasses, uh, every day game, uh, because of the surgery and my eyes uh, being a ginger, um, very sensitive to light, delicate eyes, delicate eyes. Um, but yeah, I couldn't wait to not have to wear contacts or glasses. They, it was just such a life altering not life altering. It just made life so much easier not to have to <laughs> worry about contacts or life glasses. changing. Yes. I don't know. This has been so fun to watch and I could go on and on, but yeah, I think it's cool. Obviously I grew up watching this team and, you know, obviously not from the beginning of Jordan's career. So it's been fun to see the backstory and, you know, Rodman's journey to the bulls and I'm so excited for the next few weeks and seeing all of this. I think it's helped us definitely get our fix and yeah you know it's not a game we're not watching a new game or you know the draft is not you know watching live sports but it gives that kind of feel that you're getting something fresh and new to look forward to and the Dodgers actually have something 
to help fulfill the needs of Dodger fans. What have you got going on this week? Yeah, so Monday night, tonight, Monday night. Depends yeah. when you're listening. This is in the past. <laughs> it <Yeah>. already happened <laughs> when you're listening. So Monday night, uh, the Dodgers actually reached out to some of the guys and they decided they wanted to do a Zoom call, a Zoom Dodger party. And they're going to have the fans kind of log, sign up. You got to sign up and you come on. And I got the email asking if I wanted to join. Yeah. And originally, so they, they reached out and I said, Hey, okay, what's the deal? Like how many people? And they said a oh, thousand. And I was like, okay, is it free or fans having to pay? And they said, no, 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 this is free. And I'm like, all right, this is great. I I'm behind this. Uh, we need to give our fans something, uh, right now. And, um, you know, they don't have any baseball to watch. So, uh, and we have the best fans in all of baseball. So I was like, I'm on board. Let's do this. I made a little video said, Hey, go sign up the first thousand fans get in. It's going to be limited to a thousand. They had 25,000 fans RSVP. That's insane. 25,000. So, uh, obviously they didn't want to leave 24,000 people hanging. So they reached out to zoom, uh, and they extended their zoom party package, I guess. <laughs> I don't know the right language for this and zoom got on board with them and they've expanded it. And so now it's going to be, I think it's 25,000 people. You need Jerry Jones Wi-Fi and bandwidth I for this. I know. It's going to be crazy. But um, I don't want to spoil it uh, if you're going to listen to it now. I don't know. But I know Alana Rizzo and uh, Joe Davis are hosting it. Yes. And uh, there's going to be some surprise celebrities as well as a bunch of Dodger players and ex-Dodger players. And it should be a really cool way to kind of connect with the fans right now Could be because we should be on the field connecting with them and playing on the TVs in their living room. But um, um, unfortunately, we can't do that. So I'm excited about this Zoom call tonight. Yeah. So you'll technically be in a lot of people's living rooms on this call. Yeah. And this week's Your Turn social media segment, a lot of people actually want you in their living room. You were a lot of people's choice. Obviously, they knew that I was going to be reading this and you were going to be reading this. But I asked people, aside from your current crew, so everyone you're already quarantined with, who would you want to join you, to join your quarantine? I feel like I was surprised that the top, I don't think these two would have ever been in the same sentence, Vin Scully and Chrissy Teigen. Whoa. Aside from you and Dodgers and all that, those were the top two. Vin, well, I understand Vin Scully. Everyone wants, a, a lot of people said Vin for lullabies, stories, just to have him around. I don't know if one person maybe posted that and then everyone's like, oh yeah, that would be great and started to respond with that. But an overwhelming response for Vin in your home. Yeah, I, I could, I mean, he would, I could fall asleep every night to him telling baseball stories and just his voice is so soothing and the way he paints pictures and, um, by the way, he's doing good. He he fell and was in the hospital, oh, yeah. and he's back home, and he's doing good. So that's Incredible awesome. Incredible news, yes. Um, you know, we all love Vin and uh, want the best for him. Uh, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind quarantining with Vin. I would, I would learn so much about baseball that um, I think it would be great. I'm sure he has other skills, too, maybe cooking or calligraphy or something he could – I think he probably Teach has you. a ton of skills, but I don't think that's why people were. Yeah, but I think you want to get the him. most out of your quarantine partner. Well, that's why I don't know why people voted. Like, what? Chrissy what? Teigen, she's an incredible chef. She loves wine. She's funny. I, I think. I was going to say, I don't know why people want to hang out with me. Like, what am oh, I bringing to the table? Not, I, okay, take back all of those qualities I just gave Chrissy Teigen. I think you. I don't know. What do I bring to the table? I mean, just <laughs> like, hey, here's how you grow your beard. Don't Dog cut it. <laughs> and no, I think even when the Dodgers did, we did our day in the life with the Dodgers on their social media. A lot of people wrote me and asked if you could come over and give their kid a hitting lesson. So maybe they want a hitting lesson. Everyone wants a hitting lesson. You make a good cocktail. Okay. You're yeah. fun. You, they'd have to sit and watch Ozark. Ozarks? Ozark? I just finished it last okay, night. So they don't have to watch that with you. Mm. They could barbecue. You're great on the barbecue. I like barbecuing. You just made me some buffalo wings. 
couple nights ago, Those thanks so to your good. lovely barbecues galore grill. But your <laughs> your sauce was what was sauce magic. is the boss. I love buffalo. I mean buffalo wings. Someone actually said that was someone's answer. They wanted to be quarantined with wings and whiskey. It was not my. I didn't respond to my own questionnaire, but had I, that might be it. The W and W. But yeah, let's dive into some of these. Lisa Vanderpump, her estate, it's not even a house, it's a full thing. I mean, the pools, the dogs, the wine cellar, she has mini horses. But what are the rules, like, does Lisa Vanderpump have to come to your house, or do you get to go to her house? I didn't, yeah, I didn't, that would have, should have been we in need the to, We print. need the rules I should have said in what setting. Yeah. Which person and in what setting. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, because that one's, I don't, like, Lisa coming here, I, I don't know. I think you you need the house. You need the Lisa. You got to go to full experience. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I don't know. She's good taste in wine and tea and clothes and all that. So I'm sure even in your home, Lisa would be a joy. Uh, a lot of people said professional chefs. I think that goes along with the Chrissy Teigen and all that. A teacher yeah. said my students. She said she's really missing them. I don't know how long that would last though. Like, do you want? These people are living with you. So I think these people maybe want a visit from this person. I don't think they're realizing they would be getting all seven weeks with this person. So I don't know if you want your entire classroom to take over your house. Yeah, but I think this person had it right. He said, my son's teacher to come quarantine with me because homeschooling's no joke. Oh, yeah. And that's what I've heard from a lot of my friends is like, man, teaching math to my kids right now is brutal. Yeah. So I, I, I like that one. That's a yeah. good one. Someone, someone said, I just want Cody to call me. <laughs> That's the best. Not, not even quarantine. Just just call me. A lot of people said Clayton. Someone said Rich Hill and his wife. Rich Hill and his wife would be entertaining all yeah. day long. Joe Davis, solely for his barbecue skills. They don't want you to talk, Joe. Just come over here as a mute and cook him some barbecue. Oh, man. DJ Polly D. I, DJ uh, Polly D. A lot of fist pumping and laundry and... Tanning. I don't tanning. Know, tanning outside, I guess. Yeah. Can't go to the GTL. Salon. GTL. Adam Sandler. That would be fun. It would be a lot of pickup basketball games. Oh, you got to have a hoop. You got to have a hoop if you're with with Adam. That would be so fun. A lot of of Food Network, Bobby Flay. I saw Guy Fieri just taking you to Flavortown. I guess you'd have to quarantine in Flavortown with Guy. He would just be hitting you with it. Do you think if you quarantine. <laughs> he could frost your tips for you. <laughs> Do you think if you quarantine with Adam Sandler, he'd make you call you call him the Sandman? A thousand percent. I find it so like, he's like Elmo in third person where he calls himself the Sandman. I'm not mad at it. I love Adam Sandler, but strange observation. A lot of people wanted a good musician to play the music. I guess maybe just get Spotify. Spotify. I, don't know if I need someone yeah. like playing a guitar in my home. I'd rather have a useful skill that I could use. The Golden Girls. I don't know. Maybe like from that had to have been Lindsay. Well, Betty White is. The only one still here with us. Bless her. So, yeah, maybe it was someone wanting them from their 90s versions. Mindy Weiss. She would be so fun. Mindy. Our friend and wedding planner. Do you think you can get Mindy Weiss during quarantine to have one drink? Yeah, absolutely. Really? It would just be, I think it would just be like a sipper of like tequila. Margarita? Yeah, maybe a Margaret, but just one. But she's just, I i love her. She, I feel like she's so crafty, and I would just love her stories and everything. The stories. The stories would be great. Yeah, someone said the Today Show morning crew. I feel like you could just watch them on TV. I'm more of like, I want to get use out of someone. Someone said, there was one, a chef made a teacher to cook and clean and teach my kids. I didn't give, a lot of people took it beyond. They want like the whole Dodgers team. I the ki the kitchen staff at Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> when this thing is over, I am, because you can't do unlimited soup, salad, and breadsticks right now. You just can't. And so when this is over, that might be one of my first stops. Yeah. Because when you order it, they can't, how do they know what your unlimited is? They'll have to the go The pasta fajoule, they don't know I'm going to have four bowls. The breadsticks and Alfredo. Luke Lang special. <laughs> yes. My mom, I know she's listening, so hi, mom. She said a pet. <laughs> I am not currently quarantining with my mom. And she said a pet. So, of course, I asked her, why did you not say me? And she said, well, 
that's not an option. You're 2000 miles away and you're married. But this was like a, this was a fictional scenario. I don't think Adam Sandler's an option. And my mom wants a cat. (laughs) Yeah. These were all just in any world, any scenario. Thanks mom. Oh man. (laughs) What about, what about, don't make me drive there. What about the great Tommy Lasorda? There were some Tommy Lasordas. Yes. You want to talk about stories? Oh yeah. Oh boy. Someone said a baseball team for my four-year-old son, the Fab Five from Queer Eye, Howard Stern. That would be good stories That'd too. That'd be good. Definitely. And then someone gave Joe Exotic or Gavin Lux because <laughs> apparently they are interchangeable. <laughs> I can't wait to tell Gavin this. Like, I don't know. Which one do you want? Um, give me the Joe. Um, no, Gavin Lux. Like, how is that even? I don't know. Apparently, they either <laughs> want to watch Tiger King or they want to watch Gavin live in MLB, MLB the show 2020 uh, playoff. Your quarantine would just be doing. Gavin Lux playing. You'd be watching him playing video games. I know. I hate to admit this, but I've logged on and watched him play a couple of times. I know. He's like, gosh, this guy plays video games so much. I'm like, what's worse? Gavin playing video <laughs> games all day? Or are you watching him playing video games? Yeah. I'm bored. You're not bored. So you bored. You just want baseball. We're not bored. We're very busy. I, I will say that watching him play baseball was way more entertaining than the two minutes I watched him play Call of Duty. I couldn't do that. That was terrible. I didn't yeah. even know what was happening. I don't play Call of Duty. Oh, man. Well, thank you, everyone who gave your responses. And I think that's going to do it for this week. Everyone stay safe. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. Bum 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 b